Nation. It's time now for our Wednesday Communities feature, which means that we are checking in with Alan Adler in today's edition of Truck Talk. And Alan, thanks for being here. And I'm excited that you got the maroon memo with me. I like that we get to match. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing to you. I mean, we look alike, sort of. (laughs) It's great. It's great. I just need some glasses and we'll be good to go. Right. I could take mine off. But then I couldn't well, we'll see you. So. We'll get closer. It's all, it's all good. All right, let's move on in. I called it Truck Talk. I guess Old Habits Die, old habits die Hard because it's actually Truck Tech. It's we are five since we changed the name. <laughs> We're continuing to talk about artificial intelligence and its role in autonomous trucking. And from my perspective, it feels like you can't have one without the other, right? You need that AI component of AVs. But is that really the case? And where are we seeing AI being really kind of the breakthrough technology for autonomous trucking right now? Well, a couple couple things come come up. Um, first is when we talk about AI, we're really talking about machine learning, right? I mean, that's been around for decades. And so when we get to AI, it's a buzzier word, of course. And there is a lot more going on with simulations, that is creating simulations that, that autonomous trucks can do. These are not necessarily done on the road because you'd have to drive a whole lot of miles to run into everything that you could create in simulation. So today's guest, interestingly enough, since you brought it up on the on the Truck Tech uh, video podcast at three o'clock on the Freightways channel on YouTube, um, is Raquel Erdison. Now, Raquel, first of all, we don't have a lot of women leaders on this show, so I'm really excited to have her. Um, she is the founder and CEO of Wabi, W-A-A-B-I, for those of you looking for a new spelling. Um, and this is a company that's pretty new in the autonomous space, a couple of years uh, old. Um, Raquel has a deep academic background. She's a, a full professor, um, I believe, at the University of Toronto in Canada, um, founded her company in 2021. And basically, after a, a good bit of time with um, she had been at uh, at uh, Uber's uh, autonomous technology group, which ultimately got uh, spun off to uh to Aurora Technologies. Um, so Raquel has a, a view of autonomy that really the whole Wabi driver, everybody has, you know, the Kodiak driver and the Aurora driver, and you know, there was the Waymo driver, which there still is, of course, for cars. But the idea here is that they are relying heavily on what the data that they feed it can learn and adjust and adapt and add new scenarios and things like that. So we'll hear from her on that subject. Now, she recently... Um, Assigned a pretty big uh, deal with um, with Uber Freight, ten years uh, of cooperation where uh, they don't have a lot of trucks. Wabi doesn't, but but the ones they do will be used by Uber Freight in in transporting uh, cargo. So um, we'll hear from her. We didn't pay a lot of attention to Wabi early on um, because they were so new. They, it was not a, a company that was going to build a whole lot of things. They've raised you know a little over a hundred million dollars, which isn't to sneeze at, but it also isn't the kind of thing you need to scale a big business. So we'll hear from her on that. And in terms of just, you know, how you distinguish, how do you, how do you differentiate an AR, AI driven system, you know, from one that, you know, uses machine learning, but maybe not to this extent. So uh, it'll be an interesting conversation this afternoon. I've talked to her once, uh, once or twice before. Um, so we're glad to have her on the show. So, Alan, I'm glad that you mentioned that because they've been kind of this quiet player in the autonomous space for quite a while. And this partnership with Uber Freight was big headline news for them. We talked about it. I saw Raquel post about it on her LinkedIn, which I'm an avid follower of, of course, her being a very strong woman leader in this space. What other types of moves have they been kind of making, not necessarily in silence, but just in quiet in the background? And how have those moves helped kind of lead them up to this big time partnership with Uber Freight? 
Well, there's a, you know, it's a very small community, the autonomous community. And so when you get to things like, uh, you know, Uber, which has a long background, uh, you know, Chris Urmson, you know, uh, led that operation before uh, starting Aurora. Um, and, you know, he and Raquel have worked together. Um, there's a lot of connections there. The Uber Freight uh, connection, I mean, you know, uh, Leo Ron knows everybody and will work with pretty much everybody in terms of, you uh, you know, adding the capacity, the autonomous capacity. He told us a few weeks ago that that he's got a hundred customers waiting to get into autonomous capacity. So I think it's a small community for the most part, and I think it's something that you know, as as you look at what Wabi's up to, you've got to look at this uh, driver. They they talk to real drivers to learn from them, and then you know create simulations and things like that. So um, you know, we'll learn a lot more together today, I guess, uh, having Raquel on the show. Um, you know, just in terms of, you know, but is this going to be the breakthrough? Is this going to somehow leapfrog uh, what some others are doing? I don't think so, but I think it, it could um, be a player along the way. It, it, it's creating another option for uh, for carriers to perhaps look at in terms of installing it or asking, you know, their factories, uh, you know, the o- OEMs to install a certain technology. I'm sure that's one of the goals they have is to be able to sell their technology in, in a commercialized fashion. Um, but I don't think you're going to get a date from Raquel when she says, oh, well, we'll be on the road, you know, by this date. We've got a couple companies in Aurora and Kodiak that have made that claim and 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 uh, uh, Torque Robotics a few years after that. But they're very much, as we've written recently, um, moving ahead now with the real hard work of getting autonomy into um, on the road, literally. Everybody is working to get, of course, that first true autonomous run and in a lane that can be repeated. So as far as the differences for Wabi operating out of Canada and then partnering with Uber Freight here in the United States, is there any type of distinction that we see between them as a Canadian company versus the maybe U.S. autonomous players? Or is it all kind of one in the same because it's all on that North American continent? Well, I think you answered it there. I think it is the North American continent. And I think, you know, there's probably going to do some testing in Canada and things like that. We're, we're seeing some of that uh, being done, um, you know, certainly with electrification. They, they've got great incentives. I want to talk a little bit about electrification before I go here. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, autonomous at this stage, you know, it's a U.S. focused thing. I don't think the country of origin in this case really matters that much. You know, um, if, if you do have a minute, though, I'd like to talk about something else that will be featured in Friday's newsletter, uh, the Truck Tech newsletter. And that's looking beyond sort of that repeated thing that we have this mismatch between electric trucks and infrastructure. Um, there's some deeper questions that have to get asked here. And I've had an opportunity this week to talk with the folks at um, Forum Mobility, which is uh, another one of the real estate kind of startups are backed by CBRE. Um, they've got a lot of money to buy land and to do installations, but something else that they're doing and, and they're looking for help to do it is lobbying some of the public utilities commissions to look differently at how the grid operates. It isn't that there isn't energy enough on the grid. It's the way that historically they've looked at interconnections and allowing additional loads and things like that. Um, pretty fascinating stuff, at least to me. I haven't read this anywhere else uh, at this stage, so I'm kind of excited to, to look into it, um, at least initially uh, on Friday. And that's this idea of, you know, what does the grid have available that maybe isn't being taken advantage of to its fullest uh, extent? 
So, Elena, if you're ever curious about a public utility operator's perspective on that, let me just uh, pick up my phone and call dad, number two, on my contact list. He's vice president of operations and distribution for a pretty big public utility in Texas, and we can get some perspective on that. <laughs> well, let's talk offline. Perhaps he's somebody we should talk. I mean, I think there's a I think there's a bigger feature in this than just what we're going to talk about Friday. So, Yeah, I think it's fascinating, and I think it would be a worthwhile conversation. Well, Alan, thank you for joining us this morning. Of course, we'll catch the show this afternoon and the newsletter on Friday and have a great rest of your week. You too. Great color choice. Love it. There we go. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more Freight Waves Out right after this. <laughs> 